Praise God. You know, every generation goes higher and higher. If, um, if this generation was here and the next generation stayed here, then the old generation is a failure. You see, every generation should go higher and uh, a man should step on his father's shoulders and be taller than his father and see further than his father. And when his time is up, his, his successor should stand on his shoulders and have more. And this is a word today that I want to share with you that is for today, but it's a, it's a foundational truth that must be carried into the next generation if the church of Jesus Christ is going to remain the church of Jesus Christ. How many know the devil is a perfect counterfeiter? My God, the Bible tells us that, you know, these, these, they have power to assume the form of an angel of light. They are master deceivers. Now, they can deceive me and they can deceive you, but how many know they cannot deceive the Holy Ghost that's in me or the Holy Ghost that's in you? And we have to remain, as the New Testament church of Jesus Christ, we have to remain sensitive always to the leading of God's Spirit. If we don't, our carnal minds will take over and our carnal minds will always, Brother Keith, always, without exception, lead us to failure, lead us into something that is wrong and unacceptable to God, as pretty as it may look. The Bible says of our carnal minds, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. Your carnal mind and my carnal mind will kill us if we listen to it and follow its leadings. So we have to always be sensitized to what the Spirit of God is saying. If we are not led of the Spirit, we are not the church of Jesus Christ. We may be saved, we may be nice people and good people, we know how to say praise the Lord, but if the Spirit of God does not lead us in all that we do, we need to, to get the Holy Ghost and have an ear to hear what the Spirit is speaking. And I want to touch on, on, on one aspect of the Holy Ghost this morning, and that is worship. Worship. I was doing a study on something, and only God can do these things, you know. Study and study and study, and 90 degree left turn. Right to something else, and God opens it all up, and goodbye, my study. Hello, Word of God. So I know this is for Life Church. I call this the weapon of worship. Now in Exodus 25 and 26, God commands Moses to build a tabernacle. Now, you know, I hate spooky words. Or, you know, and Christians many times think things are spooky. That a tabernacle simply means a tent, a house, a tent. In those days, God's people lived in tents. So let me, a tent. So God told Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. And he told Moses every detail of that tabernacle. I want it this, I want it this high. I want this many poles, this many curtains. I want three compartments. Each compartment, this is the size. I want uh, animal skins to cover it. I want the curtains dyed this color. I want you to make pieces of furniture. And I want this piece of furniture here, and I want that piece of furniture there. And the Bible says when Moses did everything exactly the way the Lord told him to do it, the glory of the Lord filled the house. If Moses says, well, I don't like the candlestick here. I think the candlestick looks better in the outer court. I'm going to put the candlestick in the outer court and the laver in the inner court. Guess what? The glory of God would never have fallen. So... They built this tabernacle, and this tabernacle traveled with them. It was portable, as you know. It traveled with them through the wilderness. And when they secured the promised land, when they entered, they put this tabernacle um, 
in Shiloh, where it remained for 300 years. And then later, it went to several places, then later it settled again in a place called Gibeon. Now, through the years, Israel became corrupt. They worshipped false god. They followed other people that didn't believe in God, and God brought them into a captivity. Or I should, No, I'm wrong. That comes later. God gave up the ark. The ark of the covenant that was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle represented the very presence of God, the very person of God. The person of God is in that ark. And Israel became so bad and so backslidden, so idolatrous, that the Philistines captured the ark. The presence of God, the person of God, was no longer in Israel. Now, how many know the person and presence of God is a blessing to God's people? But it is a curse to God's enemies. The Philistines suffered all manner of plague, all manner of afflictions, all manner, and after seven months, they said, get this thing out of here and, and send it back to Israel, which they did. And when they did this, David was the king of Israel. Now, David had a revelation that was 1,050 years ahead of its time. Because when that tabernacle, <coughs> when that tabernacle came back to Israel, David did not put it back in the tabernacle of Moses. He put it in a new tabernacle, a new tent that we refer to as the tabernacle of David. Now, in that new tent, sacrifice was not offered to God the way it was in the tabernacle of Moses. In the tabernacle of Moses, you brought an animal, a sheep, a bull, a calf. The high priest would slit its throat. The animal would bleed out. They would butcher it. And that was an offering to God because God said without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So animal sacrifice was offered at the tabernacle of Moses. No such animal sacrifice was ever offered at the tabernacle of David. The only sacrifice offered at the tabernacle of David was praise and worship. David appointed singers and minstrels and, and, and uh, you know, well, minstrels, musicians, around that tent and they sang praises and worshiping God in a way that has never happened before. Yet, most of Israel was still going up to the tabernacle of Moses, offering sacrifice. The priesthood went up to the tabernacle of Moses, offering sacrifice even though the person of God was not there. The person of God was in the tabernacle of David. The ark was in the tabernacle of David. But that meant nothing because these people were steeped in dead, dry, routine praise and worship. This is the way Grandpa did it when he came to this church. This is the way Mama and Papa did it when they came to this church. This is the way I do it now that I'm in this church and this is the way my kids are going to do it when I'm gone in this church. Wrong, 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 wrong. <clears throat> God does not want that kind of praise and worship. Now, don't get me wrong. We come up here and we worship God you know, and we sing songs that we've sang a dozen times before. Nothing wrong with that. But that is not the end that we are seeking. The praise and worship that we are used to offering God every service should be regarded as a prelude 
to something higher and something greater that's going to come. Jesus Christ called it the worship of God in spirit and in truth. God's people had to learn to worship God in spirit and in truth. And that form of worship is the form of worship that was offered to God at the tabernacle of David. Now remember, the, uh, the, the temple wasn't built yet. After the temple was built, the Ark of the Covenant was taken out of the tabernacle of David, brought into the temple, and both the tent that housed the tabernacle of David and the tent that housed Moses' tabernacle were completely done away with because now the Ark, the person of God, had a temple. Now, I want to read two prophecies to you given in the Scriptures, and these prophecies were given while the temple was functioning perfectly. Isaiah 16.5. No, I'm sorry. Amos 9.11 said this. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof and I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old. Now, as I said, the temple's functioning perfectly. But God says, I want, I want that tabernacle of David thing back and I will build it up. The Apostle James in Acts 15, 16, quotes this exact same prophecy in the New Testament. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. God wants praise and worship after the order of the tabernacle of David. So what exactly was that order? <clears throat> that order is called prophetic worship. Now, when you hear the word prophetic, let's see, Sister Housing, when you, when you hear the word prophetic, what do you think of? Yeah, you think of prophecy. God's going to tell me something, you know, something about my future. You know, fine. That, that's true and that's right. But the word prophetic means far more than just that. The word prophetic is applied to anything that is born of God's spirit. A prophecy is a prophetic word, a word born of God's spirit. A minstrel up here can sing a prophetic song. A song born of God's spirit. It could be a known song or a new song. Make, do a study if you want on new songs. Oh, God loves the new song. You can have a prophetic prayer. Pass the mic on the piano, Brother Forrest on the trumpet, all of a sudden he come out with a prophetic tune. Something that is birthed by God's Spirit. These sisters dancing up here. That is prophetic praise. I don't think anybody gets up and dances of their own volition. You know what I mean? Something's got to be moving inside of you. And I believe that to be the Spirit of the Lord, which would make that prophetic. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says David danced with all his might before the Lord, which we're going to get to. And these sisters up here, they dance, and that's, that was prophetic for David. So I'm just going to get up and copy them. And you do. Well, David danced with all his might. I'm going to dance with all my might. How many know that's not what God wants? God wants you to respond to him in worship and praise the way the Spirit of God is moving you. They could be dancing. You may be laying on the floor. You could be there weeping and crying before the Lord. Somebody can be doing a handstand on that chair. And if God says, that's what I want you to do, you do it. And that is prophetic worship and prophetic 
Worship is exceedingly powerful, as we're going to see later on. That is what prophetic means. Jesus Christ himself said in John 4, 23, 24, the true worshipers of God shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. The Father is looking in life, church, for prophetic worshipers. Verse 24, Jesus speaking. God is a spirit. And they that worship God, or they that worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Prophetic worship is not an option. Prophetic worship is something a spirit-filled Christian must do. Now, how many, how many here have ever said, oh, God, I wish, bring back the old song. I love the old song. Kerry's smiling. Her daddy and I have spoken many times of this. I, I have said it more than most. Bring back the old songs. What do I need to hear this for? You know, and you just, you know. Now, you know what we're really saying when we say bring back the old songs? And this is a little something God spoke to me. It's not because they were old that we liked them. What we're saying is this. Bring back the songs that were birthed by God's Spirit. Because when I feel one of those songs, the Spirit of God that authored that song through somebody else bears witness to the Spirit of God in me. And I feel, I feel God. I, I, I told this to the old timers here, I'm going to tell it again because it bears repeating. Pastor and I were at Romania. He was preaching, thank God. I would not have been able to preach that night. And this teenage girl who's marrying our kids today, Alexandra, Gietz's daughter, she sang a song uh, in, in Romanian, and the name of it was Privestatu. I don't speak Romanian. She's just singing. And I just... <laughs> and I start bawling, and I'm crying, and I'm weeping, and I... You know, I'm out of it. And I don't know a thing. I don't know a word that she's saying. And I'm just, uh, well, pastor preached a great word that I didn't hear because I am thinking what, you know, what, what did that song mean and so on and so forth. After service, I went to the girl. I says, what does that song mean? Privestatu means when I look at you. And in essence, the word said, when I look at myself, I see shame and sin and impurity and rebellion and self-centeredness and all manner of selfishness, all manner of failure, all manner of heartache. That's what I see when I look at me. But when I look at you, I see love, forgiveness, restoration, deliverance, life, grace, mercy, steadfast, faithful love, edification. And that's what that song meant. I didn't know what it meant, but my spirit bore witness to the spirit of God that composed that song through that teenage girl. See? She was worshiping in spirit and truth, because that was a prophetic song. Birth of the Holy Ghost. And it bore witness to the Holy Ghost that dwells in me. That's what God wants. <clears throat> a song is not necessarily a spiritual song, because, it's, because it talks about spiritual things. I love you, Jesus, you know. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood and grace and mercy. Nothing wrong with that. But that's, that's not a spiritual song. Spiritual song means a song birthed by the Spirit, not a song about spiritual things. How many know the Holy Ghost dwells in you? How many know that's Bible? What? 
Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is in you. And you should expect things that your spirit or God's spirit in you will bear witness to. Expect it. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth, singing a new song, birth of God's spirit, that's throne room worship. That's exactly what they do in the throne room as stated in the book of Revelation. They sing a new song unto the Lord, a song birthed of God's spirit. Now listen to this. Psalm 40, verse 3 says this. And he, God, hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. There's power in a new song. There's power in anything that is born of God's spirit. And we are told to sing new songs unto God. And we have to make ourselves comfortable with that. Do you have a choice about it? They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, you look, the human element is so, you know, ah, it's so frustrating because the human element will always try to stop us from doing something that does not make perfect sense to the carnal mind. You know? Where's Sister, where is she? Sister Carrie. What's not here? Oh, there she is. Okay. You're dancing. Does it make any sense to your carnal mind? I'm just asking. No. You just feel something and you go with the flow. Right? Okay. Watching her dance, does it make any sense to the carnal mind? Not really. But when you feel the Holy Ghost, yes, I felt like that. I understand what she's doing. Okay? And it's acceptable. I had a problem. I know I must have told you this before, but again, in this context, it's worth repeating. When I, you know, I had a problem lifting my hands. I'd go to church, I'd baptize in the Holy Ghost, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be reverent because, you know, I love God. But I'd see these people, you know, hallelujah. I said, they're just, they're just showing off. They're trying to show everybody how spiritual they are. Oh, look at them, hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. I'm not going to do that. You know, and I was in a service one day just like this, and they were worshiping. And the Lord, and I'm, you know, and I'm there. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, I did do this. I wouldn't do this, but I would do this. And the Lord spoke, and he said, uh, what are you doing? Lord, I'm worshiping you. Oh, well, you know, you read the Bible, you know that lifting hands to God is biblical. Why don't you do it? Well, Lord, because, you know, these people look stupid doing it. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to look stupid like that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dignified guy. I'm a school teacher. I, you know, I've got certain dignity. Oh, you know how gentle God is. Oh, I see. So you're really here to display your dignity to the church. Spirit, that's what he said. And he didn't need to say any more, and it was hard. You know, I see some people, uh, you know, so maybe one hand, you know, like this. How stupid. This is what babies go through. And then, you know, then it, well, by the time I got both of my arms fully extended, like he said, I never, ever, ever took them down. From that moment on, I was free to praise God the way I thought, you know, was, was, was silly. That was, in my life, that was birth of the Spirit. The simple fact that I raised my hands was a prophetic praise to God because the Holy Ghost told me to do that. And I was blessed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So when we, when we start service, when we, you know, we sing Amazing Grace, you know, which I love, we sing How Great Thou Art, which I love, and all the other stuff, that's just a prelude. Expect something more. Expect to sing a new song. Let your spirit be open to that. If you feel to sing a song as, as something else is, you know, uh, the music is just playing, just do it. I know Pastor Phil, he's not, hey you, hey, shut up over there, get out of here. He's not going to, that's not going to happen. Praise God. 
God loves the order of the tabernacle of David. Dead, you know, I don't want to say dead, but ceremonial worship is, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, It's in Timothy. But denying the power thereof, oh God. Having a form. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. When we're just singing regular, you know, and don't expect to go any higher, or we're closed to going any higher. This is the day, this is... Nothing wrong with that. But there's more. And if I don't want more, you know what I'm doing? I got a form of godliness. Look at me. The Lord has made that the Lord has made. I'm, I'm praising God. Just, we will rejoice. We will. But, but I don't want that Holy Ghost stuff. You know what I'm doing? With that attitude? I'm denying the power thereof. I am denying the power of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is a church that is born of his spirit and led of his spirit. They that belong to the Lord, the Bible says, are one spirit. Our unity to God is not a fleshy unity. It is a unity of spirit. His spirit joining with our spirit. And we become one with God because our spirits are in tune. Now, since most church services begin with praise and worship, the leadership, especially the musicians, you've got a big responsibility here. You know, you have to do your best to set the tone of this prophetic kind of worship. Because if you have a move of the Spirit during praise and worship, the entire rest of of the service will follow right after that. The whole service, people will, you know, I was preaching one time in a, in a small country church that I pastored in Pennsylvania. And, you know, God, as I'm talking, I don't, I don't even remember, but as I'm talking, God speaks and he tells me what you're going to do next week. Just like that. Next week, foot washing. So, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm just going. But I knew, I knew. Next week, all right. That was perfect. He gave me a word. You, you do it. I brought a basin, a bunch of towels in next week. So, you know, I gave the scriptures how Jesus washed the apostles' feet and how we ought to be servants. The greatest in the kingdom is, is you know, is the servant of all. And I began to wash. Somebody called a, call a man up, washed his feet. Called a second guy up, washed his feet. I never got to the third guy two hours later. I never got to the third guy. Why? Pastor, can I wash this guy? You know, uh, brother, I want to wash your feet. They call up. The women would wash the women's feet. The men would. I didn't tell them to do that. All right, you guys. You don't wash any woman. You wash the men. Never said a word. But that's the way it worked. Two hours of foot washing of people. Brother, come up here. I, you know, and washing and, 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 and being a servant one to the other. That was prophetic worship to God. Pastor Phil, and I know Pastor Mike, I'm going to tell you a story. This was in in Cowdersport, oh, 23, 24 years ago. Cowdersport was having one of their famous hoedowns. I mean, the people are dancing, jumping, shaking, leaping, you know, uh, worshiping God, running around the church. I mean, it's beautiful. It sounds like chaos, but it's beautiful because you feel God when, 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 when this type of anointing falls. Well, they had a guest speaker. And this was going on for 20 minutes, maybe a little longer. And one of the pastors there, the youngest one, you know, he just got up and he came to the pulpit. And again, the people are running, screaming, and he's okay, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, praise God, you know. And the anointing lifted and the people sat down. And, you know, he's all right, we need to take an offering. And then he says, and now we have Dr. So-and-so with us, and it is my pleasure and privilege to introduce to you an old friend of the house, you know, one of the fathers of the house, Dr. Blip, 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 blip. And he comes to the pulpit. You know, people clapping, you know, and he's just there. And he turns 
he turned to this young pastor and he said to him, boy, what is wrong with you? God was ministering to his people in this house. They were getting blessed. God was getting blessed. Everybody's getting blessed. But you had to put the kibosh on it because we had an agenda that day. The august Dr. So-and-so is here. What am I going to give these people that God didn't give them or God can't give them already? He had more to give them. You squelched it. Said it just like that. I'm not exaggerating. And, you know, the kid you know, did one of these Oliver Hardy things. You know, <laughs> you know he, he was wrong. But what a lesson to him, to me, you don't put your hand on prophetic worship. You let God have his way. Now, I know by experience, Pastor Phil is that kind of a man. Now, he's right here, if I'm lying. We, had a, we were assistant principals in a Christian school, and, you know, we had an agenda. Our chapel service every day was, I don't know, it's at 8.30 to a quarter to nine. You know, and then you started. Kerry, were you there? You may have been. This was the first year of the school. We were in our sanctuary, and we used to set up the learning center, and we had chapel service, you know, and the Spirit of God fell, and these kids are crying, and they're worshiping, and they're going to their teachers, well, you know, I, I spoke at you, I'm sorry, you know, you know, and, and this thing lasted from 9 o'clock in the morning, it went to lunchtime, and the kids didn't stop to eat their lunch, you know that's God, and it went to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uninter none of the leaders, not pastor, not me, not the other guy, none of the leaders dared put their hand to this. Just let God have his way. And we had five hours of uninterrupted revival in that, in that church building. Did I exaggerate? Thank you. Kerry, were you there? Well, I know, well you may have come the year after that. Because that was our first year. But see... That was prophetic worship, born of the Spirit, and the leaders just said, leave it alone. Changed our school. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So you never squelch prophetic worship. Now, God's people, somehow they got away from this, and they, they became corrupt. They even fell into idolatry, and God sent them into captivity and in Babylon. And their people who led them, in, this is all in the, the 137th Psalm, they said, come on, let's hear these songs of Zion, these great songs, these, you know, songs born of the Spirit, that we heard so much about. Let me hear them, you know, do them, make us happy. And here's what they said. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they... For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Sing us one of those songs, born of God's Spirit. And they said, How shall we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? Now that phrase, a strange land, does not mean a geographic difference. I have gone into Christian churches, and you walk in, I'm in a strange land, because there was no move of the Spirit in that place. A strange land to any Christian should be anything that is not governed by the Holy Ghost. If it's not governed by the Holy Ghost, it is a strange thing to us. It's something we don't want to have any part of because we are a prophetic people who worship God prophetically. The entire world should be a strange land to us. That's why the Bible says this earth is not your home. It's a strange land. Well, why? Why is it strange? Because it is not governed by the spirit of the living God whose children and sons we are. It's a strange land. I don't know this culture. It's strange. It's not birth of the Holy Ghost. 
That's why Amos said, even in the midst of their captivity, in that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen. I'll raise it up because I want it again. And let me tell you, in prophetic worship, no demon from hell, no power, no principality, nor any effect they may have on you can hurt you because you are in the very presence of God. God enthrones himself in the prophetic worship of his people, just the way he does in heaven, where they worship him around the throne prophetically. The power of God, the power of God that we all want, manifests itself in this type of prophetic worship. We hear power of God, and what do you think of right away? Miracles, blind eyes open, you know, lame legs walking. This is what we think of the power of God. Yet the power of God manifests itself so many times in the midst of prophetic praise and worship. Benny Hinn once said, I went to two Benny Hinn meetings in my life, and uh, I don't remember any of the preaching. I don't. I don't remember any of the specials. You know what I remember? The beautiful worship that was in that house, you know, with those people that, that because it was prophetic. It was the presence of God was there, and it was there the, healing, the healings took place. And he even said, people think I'm a healer. I'm not. My job is to lead God's people into worshiping God in spirit and truth. And in that environment, these things will take place. Because prophetic worship is powerful. Now, when the ark was recovered, I want to go back to the time the Philistines had it. When the ark was recovered, you know, they brought it in and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And we have always stressed that. David was unabashed in his praise. He had nothing held up. And that's good. And that's right. And that's true. But he did something else in the very same sentence. He fed all the people, men and women. He gave them, it says, a piece of cake. And I, I researched this. It's, it's, it's pressed dates and raisins, a delicacy. Be given like me and pass the half a dozen cannolis each. He gave one to every man and woman in his kingdom, plus a piece of meat, plus a flagon of wine. He fed all the people. Churches always say, oh, I got a burden, you know, to feed my community, to lead them to the Lord, and so on and so forth. You do? Well, why don't you do what David did and praise and worship God the way he wants to be praised and worshiped, which alone will enable you to feed your community spiritually. What good? You're not feeding them if you bring them into the four walls of a building that's called a church, and everything in that church is dead and dry. That is not food. It's death. And at best, it's neutrality. Bring them into a house that... That, that, that yields itself to the Holy Ghost, you are feeding them life, the life of God, and that is what the world needs. Any of we're in Bloomington, you want to feed Bloomington? Praise God, worship God in spirit and in truth. And this can only happen when we are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. David worshiped God so hard, you know the story, you know, he was, he was wearing an ephod, which began, he was spinning around very fast and jumping and all of that. And, uh, you know, you saw things that you shouldn't see. His wife was very indignant when, he, when this was all over. She says, how glorious, being sarcastic, how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants you did that as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. That's what she said, his wife. What an answer David comes back with. Really? And I will yet be more vile than thus and will be more base in mine own sight. Now here's the part I want you to see. And the maidservants which thou hast spoken of 
of them shall I be had in honor. These maidservants who I expose myself to will hold me in honor because what I did was a worship to Almighty God the way the Spirit was leading me to worship. Another story. Pastor, my son, we were at Love Church. I don't know if you remember this. Long, long time ago. Something special going on. We had all kinds of guest ministry on the platform. One lady was a singer. And there was a guy in the front row who was in a wheelchair. And during a pause in the service, this young lady gets up and she starts talking. And she goes down and she's laying hands on this crippled guy. And she is praying and she's rebuking and binding and loosening in the name of Jesus. And she's putting her hands on his head and on his feet. You know, I command these legs and so on. The church got into it and they stood up and they're extending their hand. Yes, Lord, heal and let there be a miracle tonight. This went on for maybe five to seven minutes. Guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Guy, okay, God chose not to move at that point in time. After service, you know, we had a, a, you know, a church dinner, and that woman was sitting at the head table. Pastor was there, I was there. And you know what we saw? Maybe three or four people come up to that woman and said, wow, sister, you got faith. What you did took guts. I wouldn't have the guts to do that. God, pray for me. I need to have your kind of courage. You thought something was God and you moved out on it. I would never, I would never have the guts. That woman was held in honor. Nobody said, boy, did you make a fool of yourself. Nobody said that to her. Man, what a jerk you look like. Going up there, binding, loosening, rebuking, exhorting, commanding, begging, you know. Nobody said that. This woman was held in honor because what she did, she thought the Holy Ghost was leading her into. Even if you miss it, so what? The greatest prophets of God that, worked, that, that, that walked the earth today, when we knew them when they were young, missed God terribly. <laughs> Thinks he's a prophet. Well, he was. He was growing in his gift. And today they are uh, highly honored and respected by the body of Christ. <coughs> this making sense to you? Now, about dancing. Oh, oh my God, you know, I make such a fool of myself, I can't, I can't dance. First of all, the dance of the spirit is not cultural. You know, all the culture, the Italians got the tarantella and the Irish got the Irish jig. The Americans have their square dance, you know. And all. Uh, the dance of the spirit is not cultural. It transcends all earthly culture. You are dancing, literally, to, to the beat of a different drum. You are hearing God saying something. Now... There's a psalm that I'm going to read to you, a verse, about dancing. Here's what the psalm says. It's Psalm 68, verse 16. Why leap ye, ye high hills? Leaping is the same as dancing. Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in, which was Zion. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Now, here's what this is really saying. I want to put it in 20th century language. Hey, world out there, why are you dancing? God has chosen to dwell in his church. If anybody should be dancing, it should be the church. They are the redeemed ones. They are the elect of God. They are the temple of my spirit. They are my sons and daughters. Why are you dancing, world? You have got nothing to dance about but I've given my church something to dance about. Does that make sense? Judah means praise. And the Bible says in everything, send Judah first. When they arrayed for battle, the tribe of Judah went first. Two stories in the Bible and we're done. Second Chronicles 1. Judah, the nation of Judah, wakes up, and there are four, five, six, the Bible doesn't say how many, more than three foreign armies that surround the nation. The king is King Jehoshaphat. 
he wakes up and he, he, we're totally and hopelessly outnumbered. It was the children of Moab, the Ammonites, and others beside the Ammonites and more came against Jehoshaphat to battle. To battle. Now, King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 1.12 sees this and listens to the prayer he says. What a prayer. One of the best in the Bible. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes upon you. Our eyes are upon you. Modern day English. We have no might. We don't have the strength to do, we don't have the strength to overcome this obstacle. Neither do we have the intelligence to develop any strategy of battle to beat these guys. We don't know what to do. We are weak and we are ignorant. But our eyes are upon you. God told them what to do. Appoint singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. Holiness is doing what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. Praise the beauty of obeying God. So, a bunch of singers with timbrels and harps and everything else go out there to these armies, uh, shouting, dancing, spinning, kicking, singing, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And God set ambushments against the enemy army, and they were slain dead on that battlefield. And Jehoshaphat and his army returned in victory because they obeyed what God told them to do. They indulged in prophetic worship and had victory over their enemies. You got something in your life that needs to get out of your life? Praise God, prophetically. The Bible says they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord, just like David. Verse 29, And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel, just like David. And so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about, just like David. So he had peace and prosperity because he worshipped God in spirit and in truth. Satan is powerless above such worship. You are oppressed, you're going through something, you got a bondage in your life, you ask God to fill you with his spirit, and you praise God the way the Holy Ghost leads you to praise God, and those bondages and those issues and those mental things will just roll off you like water off a duck's back. No device of the enemy can stand in the midst of a people who are worshiping God prophetically. There is no one in the Bible who Jesus Christ associates himself with more intimately than David. Because the glorified Christ in the book of Revelation says this, I am of the root and offspring of David. I am the root and the offspring of David. In other words, I'm the root of David. David come from me. And I'm his son. I came from David. See? David was of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ was of the tribe of Judah. We are the body of Christ. We have, uh, we are his body and members in particular. We have various skill, uh, not skill, gifts and stuff, because we are his body. If we are in Christ, therefore we are also of the tribe of Judah. And Judah goes first. You got a problem? Praise God in spirit and in truth. You want something before you pray? Praise God in spirit and in truth. You want to lift up somebody else and intercede for them? Praise God in spirit and in truth. Judah always goes first. We, the New Testament church, is of the tribe of Judah, and this must be protected. 
at all times. You know, uh, Aaron the priest had sons. They burned strange fire before the Lord, and the Lord consumed them. And Pastor Mike and the minstrels and, and everything else, how many know I have seen much, as you have, strange fire come off the platform of so many churches in their praise and worship? Strange fire. Well, who's going to protect the church against this strange fire? Take your finger, go like this. I go like this. You're the shepherd. You're the pastor. You see a wolf come in. What are the... What are the oh, I got, I got a whole... Well, my mind's... You see a wolf come in. What are you going to do, brother? You're going to beat that. You're not going to go, shoo, shoo. I'm protecting my flock. You're going to take that staff and you're going to wrap it around that wolf's head. Because that's what he did. That's what a good shepherd does. You see anything strange. I'm going to give you an example. I didn't see this, but I know a pastor. There was a woman. See when we praise and worship? There was a woman who'd get up and she'd face the wall. And she would, you know, so on and so on. And she did that for like four or five services. The pastor said, I should have stopped it a long time ago. I called her to my office. I said, look, we are flowing with the Holy Spirit. You are a distraction. You're not flowing with us. You're doing your own thing. Now, if you want to do that, do it outside the sanctuary because we don't want you in the sanctuary if you're going to disrupt praise and worship. So, of course, she got insulted and she left the church and the pastor gave it a big brother Carter. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? It's the leadership's job to protect the flock against strange fire. The pastor, the elders, the minstrels. Hey, you know, you're watchmen on a wall. You don't let anything come in here that is not of God's spirit. It's not allowed. You're not a music ministry. You know, Bill Haley in the Comets was a music ministry. You know, rock around the clock. You're not even a worship team. Brother, you are the keepers of the tabernacle of David. That's what you are. Hallelujah. And it's a major responsibility. How can I do such a thing? Come on. Lord, I'm only human. Not by might, not by power, it's by my spirit. The spirit of God will protect the spirit of God in this place. Brother, I'm laying it on you. It's a, it's a pastor's done that for 23 years, sir. Excuse me? 20 years. He's done that for 20 years. <clears throat> you know what I mean? And all you got to do. It just follow the example. 